Welcome to Third Floor Views, where we at Chesapeake Family Life talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today we are discussing how families and children process grief. Here with us is Susan Cole from Hospice of the Chesapeake. Susan currently serves as the director of Chesapeake Life Center. She started her work with Hospice of the Chesapeake as a volunteer in 1990, and then she joined the organization as a bereavement counselor in 2005 and became the clinical manager of bereavement in 2015. And then in 2017, she became the director of the Chesapeake Life Center. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Susan. Thank you. It's pleasure to be here. Let's get started. So Susan, I just wanted to start off with a little bit about Hospice of the Chesapeake. I know that there have been some recent changes beyond COVID, just about the organization in general, not only expanding who you serve, but also the range of services as well. So could you just speak a little bit to what is Hospice of the Chesapeake and who you serve? Certainly. We've come a long way in the 40 years that that we've existed as as a hospice. And really, Hospice of the Chesapeake now is is an umbrella Hmm. under which there are are several different services offered. We've recently created a a Chesapeake supportive care, which is palliative care for some folks may be more familiar with that word. And that program is growing and very, very vibrant. That is for families, for patients who are dealing with chronic illness. So those patients are, are not ready for end of life care, but they are challenged you know, very much with managing symptoms of chronic illnesses such as heart disease or COPD. So we have Chesapeake supportive care, and then we have the, the hospice care, which is the end of life care. And then my portion, which is Chesapeake Life Center, which is bereavement services, which are provided both to hospice families, as well as to community families whose loved ones have died that weren't under our care. Mm -hmm. As you probably know, we started out in Anne Arundel County many years ago, uh, expanded into Prince George's County. And now just recently, we have merged with Hospice of Charles County. And so our we're, we're growing and, and vibrant and just so excited about being able to provide our excellent care across these many counties. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's sort of jump into the bereavement side of things and talk a little bit about grief. So, you know, we, our, our viewership is primarily families with children. Could you speak to how children grieve? Do they grieve differently than adults? And what sort of supports do children need that might be different from adults? Yes, children do grieve differently than adults. And sometimes I, I tell people, you know, we as adults could learn a lot from them. <laughs> as adults, we tend to sort of move into our grief mm-hmm. and, and sit there and not that, you know, that's the way we process. Children process very differently. The intensity of the emotion of grief, they really grieve in sort of fits and starts. You know, we've had families, you know, come in and say, you know, they, they told the little one that someone special has died. And the response has been, can I go to McDonald's? Hmm. They, they only absorb information in bits and pieces and process it in bits and pieces. So it's not by any means a, a linear kind of process for adults or children. And children tend to re-grieve as they develop and grow so that someone, a child, 
at six who perhaps loses a parent may have a real resurgence of grief as they enter puberty or Mm -hmm. as they graduate from middle school or high school. All of those sort of developmental milestones can bring sort of a new onset of grief. Kids, when there's a, a major loss for a child, their world can feel so destabilized. And you know, kids don't feel like they have a lot of control anyway. So when there's a death and they lose the structure of their routine, uh, that makes it really hard for them. So they need a sense of security and safety. They need a lot of reassurance. And at the very time when for us as adults, it's really hard to maintain a routine, particularly if you've, you know, you've lost your partner and you have children in the home, you don't feel like getting up at the same time every day and having breakfast and lunch and dinner. And yet that's the very thing that children need is they need that structure because structure is security for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whatever control they can have, it's often helpful to give them, you know, would you like Chick-fil-A or McDonald's tonight? The, The little choices that we want to give children as they're developing anyway, Mm -hmm. can be extra, extra important at this time. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like routine is really important. And then choice, providing those choices where you can as well. Routine, is that something that's helpful for adults when they grieve as well? Or is, is that less important? It, it is. I think it depends, you know, very, very much on the adult, uh, Mm -hmm. but particularly those adults who were oriented towards sort of a routine orderly life. Again, that death comes and it feels chaotic, confusing, and it can be very grounding and very helpful to just to sort of force that routine. I know often when I was in the counseling room, one of the things I would do with folks who were having that sense of disorientation was to help them create a routine and make a list, a very detailed list, get up, brush teeth so that it not only directed their activities, but helped them have a sense of accomplishment. Oh, instead of this is what I didn't do today, this is what I did do. Mm-hmm. So yes, when adults can provide that order for their children, it helps them as well. And that's the really biggest key for children is as the adults around them cope, they cope. So mm-hmm. really one of the first things we tell parents is, It's like the oxygen mask on the airplane. You need to take care of yourself in order to take care of your children. And if you're coping well, your children will be coping well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely one of my big questions is, you know, I can imagine losing a partner and being a parent at the same time is just multiple layers of devastating. And how, how do you manage that? So how do parents support their grieving children when they're already struggling themselves? And what are some steps that they can take to, to do that? And it sounds like one, maybe one of the first steps is self-care and make sure you take care of yourself. Yes. Yes. And it is possible to create a routine to, to ask for help so that, you know, maybe it's not going to be the, what the routine was before, but Mm -hmm. maybe it can be that say, no, every Tuesday, Aunt Sally comes over and takes care of dinner so that mom can go take a walk or go see her counselor or do something like that. Mm-hmm. Because that, that is probably the most important thing. 
we offer at Chesapeake Life Center from time to time, we offer an evening called Parenting While Grieving. Hmm. And one of the co-facilitators is a woman whose husband died when her children were small. And it's just an opportunity to talk about those challenges of managing your own emotion and trying to care for your children at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. What are some healthy outlets for kids if they're struggling with grief? Do you have some suggestions on things that they can do to help them? I think one of the most important things is to, to let them be children, to encourage them to play. You know, it's been certainly one of the frustrations of the current pandemic is, you know, they need to be able to go with their friends and, mm. um, you know, to go and do fun things. But, you know, kids, for kids, play is, is their work. It, that's how they process things. Um, so to encourage that, to encourage creative activities, to give them space to talk, because kids often don't look like they're grieving. They're not walking around sad and tearful all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes their grief is disenfranchised. The adults mm-hmm. around them don't realize that they really are grieving. So to simply ask them, you know, are, are you thinking about daddy a lot or, uh, you know, those sorts of things or to have pictures around and, and to engage in conversation. Um, and we do a lot of, a lot of movement when we do groups with kids, there's almost always some kind of physical activity and creative different kinds of art activities, uh, just any means of self-expression in a, in a safe environment that can be contained. Mm-hmm. One of the questions, and this is backing up a little bit, but you know, you're talking about the importance of maybe checking in with kids and if they're grieving, you might not be able to see it. So just bring it up and say, are you thinking about, you know, whoever we just lost? What, how do parents talk to children about death? What is, is there a good way and thinking about, you know, different ages and stages, obviously how you're going to have this conversation with a very young child is going to be different than how you have this conversation with a middle schooler. But what are some suggestions that, that you have from your experience on how to talk to kids about death and is there a right time or a right way to do it? That's a, that's a really good question. And you've already said something that's really important. And that is that how we talk to children really does depend on where they are developmentally. Mm -hmm. And certainly something to remember uh, just across the board is, is to be very clear and very concrete. Uh, When we talk to children about death, we need to talk about the body doesn't, the body stops working. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't eat. It doesn't go to the bathroom. All of the things that kids think of their body doing to understand that. Uh, many, many years ago, early in my career as a counselor, a uh, family came in with a little girl who just wouldn't go to bed, did not want to go to sleep at night. And as we worked, we discovered that, that grandmother had died and what she heard all the adults around her at the funeral home was, oh, she looks like she's just sleeping. Wow. And this poor little girl was afraid that she would go to sleep and then die. So clarity, concreteness, and to build. Kids don't need to know everything all at once. You know, as adults, you know, we sort of want to fill in all the gaps and have all the information and understand it. You know, again, kids process in a different way. So little bits of information and building blocks. Mm-hmm. And, and don't, you know, 
give them a euphemism or tell them something that's not true, that then will have to be backtracked because that undermines their trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even in, in really difficult, in tragic deaths, to say that someone's body stopped working rather than to say, you know, something if, if it's been suicide or an overdose, you know, to say it's been a heart attack and then at some point then have to go back and fix that because they heard it's, you know, somewhere else. Hmm. So really important to be concrete, to be clear, to be honest. And kids will lead us. If we have that conversation with pauses, give them moments, a little time to think, they'll ask questions. They'll ask what they need to know. So we shouldn't be too worried about giving them too much information if we follow their lead. Right. Right. And we also need to be really, really patient Hmm. because often they will ask the same questions (laughs) over and over again. So to be very patient and very reassuring and, and as calm as we can be. And it's a every, you know, it's like everything in life. There's a balance. It's absolutely okay. And even good. If your child sees you crying, you know, you, we're as adults, we're modeling how to grieve. Mm. So what can be destabilizing if they see their caregivers hysterical, you know, so that's, so it's, well, let's balance. It's okay for my child to see that I'm sad and they need to know that I'm, I'm still their parent and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about a couple different tools, a little bit of just like routine or giving choices when that's available to, to kids, any other tools or tips that are important to remember for children, but then also for families that are grieving together? I think it's really important for families to remember that even though we're all grieving within the family, we're likely to do that very differently. Mm. And when families don't understand that, then so often someone will feel wrong or discounted or invalidated when really we, we all have a different way of doing it. You know, think of it that, you know, if one person in the family dies, well, if, if a parent dies, then the, the partner of that parent is going to grieve differently than the children of that parent. And each of those children is going to grieve differently because they've each had a different relationship with that parent. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the way anyone experiences grief is influenced, you know, by a myriad of factors, you know, mm-hmm. age, relationship, gender, the culture, so many things impact that. So to just be aware that even, you know, each of your children is going to grieve differently. What should you do if you're a parent and you realize that there are people in your family that the way that they're grieving is interfering with other people? You know, if maybe someone's really, really angry and they're having a hard time processing that anger, whereas someone else is really, really sad and that there's, there's conflict because of the way that they're handling grief, what would you suggest someone do in that, in that setting? I'm a really big advocate of, you know, can, can we sit and, and talk a bit? Can you help me understand? And, and to just ask, you know, are, are, would you be open to coming and, and talking to a professional, someone who understands about grief? Can we do that together? You know, not in a judgmental or you're doing this wrong way, but just 
you know what, we're really doing this differently. And I don't know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And we get somebody to help us navigate this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One of my questions is how do you know when you should contact a professional? What is normal grieving versus what is concerning grieving? And and when should you take the steps to contact someone? What's your recommendation? One thing I think that is in common, whether it's a child or an adult, is is the grief interfering uh, markedly in the ability to function in day-to-day life? From an adult perspective, there's, well, and sadly, even for children, but is, is this person having suicidal thoughts? Are they abusing substances? You know, are they not able to get out of bed? You know, that sort of just interfering, not able mm-hmm. to do day to day. And certainly those things are just as much red flags for children and teens. And for kids, you know, part of what we're looking at is how are they functioning at home, at school, with their friends, because they may be doing fine in one place and not so well in another. Over time, there should be a gradual trajectory towards less intensity of grief Mm. and being able to move forward in life more easily. So, and, and it's not a linear process. So children may go along seeming fine. And then depending on the who knows the time of year, the season, something that happens in school, a book that they read at school, then, then their grief may intensify and then recede again. But the question is overall, is the trajectory towards moving forward? And if that's not the case, or if you see, oh, they did really well for a while and now they just seem stuck and they're just angry all the time, mm-hmm. uh, getting into trouble at school, grades falling, just moping in their room all the time, you know, are there big things like that, that seem to indicate that they're stuck, then that's a time to reach out and and check in with somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that in, in moments of, of grief, and especially when a death is a surprise or unexpected, adults can be certainly sort of put on their, their back foot. And I know that you do offer, or Hospice of the Chesapeake does offer just an, a place for, for answering questions and outreach. And so I think that's, that's also, even though maybe a child or a family member is, is okay. And they're handling their grief appropriately, that you're still a great resource just to help adults navigate some of these really challenging life moments. Yes. And it's not at all unusual for us to get those phone calls, just asking. And sometimes that's all it is. It's just mm-hmm. a phone Sometimes a parent will come in and say, you know, what can, can you help me understand, you know, and that's, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the other, the last thing that I want to talk about, and there are really two things, but they are um, unfortunately very connected. One is I want to learn just a little bit more about the different programs that you offer, because I've heard some of the fantastic things that you do that include some summer camps for kids to, and how they process grief and even other things like going for walks to help process grief in, in the garden. But with that, I also want to learn a little bit how COVID has impacted Hospice of the Chesapeake and how to sort of how things have changed because of COVID and how, how to handle grief in this time of isolation because of the pandemic. So those are sort of two big ideas, but, but they are intertwined, unfortunately, right now. And and I have days to answer this, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Unfortunately not, but, but take your time. <laughs> so obviously all across, all across all of the services of hospice of Chesapeake, we've had to make adaptations and, and learn how to deliver quality service in new ways. Specifically in Chesapeake Life Center, as you pointed out, the isolation of the pandemic takes a process. Grief is often very isolating, both for children and for adults. You know, children don't want to feel different from their peers. They often, you know, they sometimes won't tell their friends, you know, mm-hmm. that when they love has died. So there's a lot of isolation with grief and our need for uh, physical distancing and all of the restrictions that we've had has really made that more isolating. So we've worked really hard to find ways to still provide services, even within all of these restrictions. Another aspect as well is that because there are so many things that people feel like they have lost in the face of the pandemic, there's not only the the death grief going on, but there are layers of this other, what we've come to describe as ambiguous loss that, that are part of that too. So there are a lot more layers to go through and there's a lot more anxiety, which is going along with the grief as well. Um, so just food, food for thought there. In terms of our services, we, uh, we are still seeing folks in our facility at Chesapeake Life Center with lots of, you know, sanitary, sanitizing precautions and such, and six feet apart in the counseling room and all of that. And we also are offering services uh, online via telehealth. Mm. Uh, we all, you know, at the beginning crash course, it's a, it, it certainly is different than in-person counseling. And so we've all been trained on how to do that safely and ethically uh, so that we offer Zoom for healthcare and occasionally telephone counseling as well. For our groups, we, with the fall, we have sort of flexed a little bit. We have some groups that are just virtual online. We have some that are meeting very small in person. Those are usually limited to to six people and they take place in a very large room. They're not in our nice, comfortable, cozy group room anymore Mm -hmm. because we need everybody to be able to, to stay apart. We have also, we're experimenting with what we're calling hybrid groups, where we have some folks on the Zoom screen and some folks in person. Hmm. And um, that that's working pretty well, but it's interesting that folks really, really want to come in person. And then when it comes down to it, it's kind of hard. Hmm. So, so we're just experimenting with that to see how it goes. We're also doing a lot more things outside. And you know what? We it wasn't unusual to look out and see one of our counselors playing with a child in, in the garden or, or at the edge of the parking lot or whatever, but we're doing even more of that now. And in fact, we have groups for children. We have our stepping stones group, which is for our kids six to 10 or so, a preteen group and a teen group. And they've been meeting outside. And uh, for the older groups that meet in the evening, they move inside to one of our large rooms you know, as it gets really dark out. Mm-hmm. But the kids, especially when they're in, in school on Zoom, they just really need to be together. Mm-hmm. So that is working. Those groups are growing really, really markedly as we move through these fall months. Mm-hmm. Our, our camp programs this year sure didn't feel like camp, I have to admit. <laughs> so, but, but we flexed. 
for our youngest kids, they did have to be virtual. And so rather than, you know, a whole day of a day camp, which is what we have usually done, it was an hour and a half on one day, an hour and a half on another day. And then there was an evening that was those kids with their families. Hmm. So it was a family thing we're doing. uh, We do a lot of family stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, so that worked out well, it was well received. And then for our preteens and teens, uh, we utilized the facilities, uh, of Terrapin Adventures because that was outside and the kids still had to be masked. They still had to keep a distance, but they were outside and moving and that worked really well. That was very well received. So we're, you know, trying to plan for, for next year and, and hoping that we can go back to our, our day camp paradigm and feeling like, well, we're learning along the way. What, what else can work? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for being here with me today to address some of these questions about how to help children and families deal with grief. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you enjoyed what you heard today, check out more at thirdfloorviews.com. I'm Jenna Jefferson. This is Third Floor Views. Thank you for listening. Thank you.